Welcome to the Antioch Austin podcast. Wherever you're listening from, we hope this message encourages you. For more information about Antioch Austin, please check our website at AntiochATX.com. Now here's Pastor J.D. Griffin. Well, my name is J.D. and uh, along with my beautiful wife, Elizabeth, we pastor this church and um, we are so glad that you'd come and hang out with us on a Sunday morning. Uh, how many of you were here last week and got to hear Uncle Don Don, uh, Donnie Martin from Baton Rouge? It was an incredible message. And really, if you missed it, I'd encourage you, uh, you can go to our podcast, you can go to our YouTube channel and watch it there or listen to it uh, because you will be blessed. Because what Donnie was talking about was very simply that there's a narrative, there's some whispers that, that play in the back of our heads that begin to distort our ability to understand even what's happening in front of us. That, that we have to take back the narrative of our mind and line it up with who Jesus is and who Jesus says that we are so that we can rightly see where God has placed us. And you'll be blessed by it, you'll be encouraged if you take some time and listen to it. And I want to let you know that we actually have another special guest who's going to be here next week. Get excited. Uh, one of my best friends and a dear friend of this church, a guy named Joel Bennett, hailing from the distant shores of Sydney, Australia, uh, is going to be here preaching the word to us. He uh, has been very involved in a little church there called Hillsong. I don't know if you've heard of them. Uh, and he is being used mightily. Uh, by God as he's been sharing the gospel and literally traveling around as an evangelist uh, and seeing thousands of people saved. So you want to bring your friends, you want to bring your family, uh, and you don't want to miss it. It is the first day technically of spring break, and so we did it on purpose. We brought in the best guest speaker we could on that day so none of y'all would skip, okay? So be here. It's going to be amazing. You'll be blessed. Uh, uh, and he is a fun, fun guy. And he's got a fun accent. So at the very least, uh, you'll enjoy listening to him. Well, if you have a Bible, I want you to turn with me to Judges 13. Judges 13. Uh, the message I feel like God has given me this morning is a simple one. It's something I doubt any of you uh, have never heard before. Uh, but as you're making your way to Judges 13, I want you to understand the backdrop of the book of Judges is very simple. Uh, the book of Judges is basically the journey of the people of God learning a very important lesson. And that lesson is this. Uh, when you listen to God and obey what He says, you'll receive what He's promised. When you listen to God and obey what He says, you'll receive what He has promised. And when you don't, you won't. The book of Judges very simply is the story of sin and the consequence of it. When we obey God and do what He says, we'll receive what He's promised, and when we don't, we won't. And what we're going to find in Judges 13 is we're entering into a story. We're entering into one of these rhythms of the people of God having turned away from the ways of God and, and they find themselves having to deal with the consequences of their actions. And Judges 13 says this in verse 1, Again, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord, and so the Lord delivered them into the hands of the Philistines for 40 years. And a certain man of Sorah named Mon uh, Manoah, sorry, from the clan of the Daintites. Man, I'm just so glad that our names are not like these names. I would struggle 
in saying hello to you, but, you know, but there's grace, okay? But he had a wife that was childless and unable to give birth. And the angel of the Lord appeared to her and said, you are barren and childless, but you're going to become pregnant and give birth to a son. Now see to it that you drink no wine or fermented drink and that you don't eat anything unclean. And you will become pregnant and have a son whose head is never to be touched by a razor because the boy is to be a Nazarite, dedicated to God from the womb. And he will take the lead in delivering evil Israel from the hands of the Philistines. If you're looking in your Bible right now and you have a pen handy, I want you to underline that sentence because that sentence really is very important as we journey through the rest of this story. He will take the lead in delivering Israel from the hand of the Philistines. So the people of God have turned away from God. They've been worshiping other gods. They're not following the ways of God. And again, they find themselves in the consequence of their actions. They, they're now in captivity. The, the Philistines are controlling them. And, and it's important for us to understand, again, that something I hope you never get tired of hearing me say, is that the Bible is not telling us a series of stories. The Bible is telling us one story of a loving God who desires relationships with people. And so even though people make decisions that are sinful, that separate them from the righteousness of God, that God will put into play a rescue mission to restore what the people have ruined. And that's exactly what is happening here and all throughout the book of Judges because the book of Judges makes it clear that when we obey God and we do what He says and we go where He tells us to go, we will receive the promises He's given us. And if we don't, we won't. That is certain. But it's also equally as certain in the book of Judges that God is faithful to restore and forgive and redeem everything that's been lost. And so the people of God find themselves in need of a deliverer. And so an angel comes and visits this family and speaks to this woman who's barren and says, you are going to bear a child. And that child, that mission, the mission, what this child is going to be anointed to do is they are going to be anointed to take the lead in delivering Israel from the hands of the Philistines. It says in Judges 13, verse 24, the woman gave birth to the boy and named him Samson. And he grew and the Lord blessed him and the spirit of the Lord began to stir in him. Now again, before I read chapter 14, verse 1, I want to reread for you chapter 13, verse 5. He will take the lead in delivering Israel from the hands of the Philistines. This is the mission. This is the promise. This is the declaration over his life. This was why Samson was Born. This is his purpose, was to be one who would take the lead in delivering the people of Israel from the hands of the Philistines. And now we find in Judges 14, verse 1, Samson went down to Timnah and saw there a young Philistine woman. And he returned and said to his father and mother, I have seen a Philistine woman in Timnah. Now give her to me for my wife. The title of my message this morning is very simple. Don't get in bed with the very thing you're called to destroy. Don't get in bed with the very thing you're called to destroy. We're going to talk about the whispers that distract us. The temptation that is in all of us. 
and undealt with temptation will lead to lasting devastation. Would you pray with me? God, I'm asking that you would take this book, the Bible, and it's living and active, and you would just breathe on us, God, as we're trying to understand it and pull truth from it. And Would you lead our time and open our hearts, God, so that we can live the life you've called us to live and see the dreams and the mission that you've given for each and every one of us come to pass. And everybody said, how many of you have seen the movie Up? Well, there are some of you who have not seen maybe one of the greatest animated movies of all time. I mean, it's got to be at least top five, if not number one. I mean, not only is it beautiful to watch visually, the story is phenomenal. And the storytelling in the movie is phenomenal. Man, but I have to tell you, I love this movie just as much as my kids love this movie. And anytime they want to watch it, I watch it with them. I'm like in a blanket with them, popcorn, the whole deal. I love this movie. And my favorite part, not just to hear my kids giggle, but also because I think it's absolutely hysterical, is that when they, they, they begin to run into these dogs that have the talking collars on them. Y'all know what I'm talking about? And then the dogs are having these conversations with them, and like in the middle of a sentence, they're like, squirrel! And it makes me laugh every single time. They're talking like, we must go here, and we must, you know, take back the bird, and we, you know, do all this stuff. Squirrel! And then they just go right back to where they left off, you know, just like in the conversation. I'll be honest with you, I totally relate to those dogs. Anybody else have a squirrel problem? Like you're just like prone to distraction, like you're just kind of cruising through life, and then every sudden, squirrel! And and you don't even, uh, there's been times I'm driving home, like I'm literally driving home, and then all of a sudden it's like I come to, and I'm like, how did I get here? Has this happened to anybody else? And you're freaked out, you're like, where did I go? And how have I been driving? How many people's lives did I put in danger? Like, Squirrel, you know what I mean? Like, it's just, when I, some of you are not going to even believe this, but back when I was in high school, we used to have to listen to music on these things called CDs. And, and the way that it worked is that you had, like, this massive CD wallet. The, the pages were like so thick and heavy that it was like reading like an ancient text. You know, when you would like turn it over, it was like, you know, like a whole tree is like, you know, and like you're cruising through. And so like you're, you, you had to take it with you everywhere if you wanted to have your music with you. You know, like it was before the day of just like being like, hey, Siri, play John Mayer, you know. I was hoping it would work, but it did but it was before that, and, and so you, you had to literally, this is amazing. Some of you aren't even going to believe this. You had to, like, push a button to eject the CD that was in there. You had to remove it with your hands. This is crazy. I know. Just trust me. I don't know how we did it either. Then you had to find another CD, and then you had to put that CD in really be, to only hear one song. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, it's so funny to me. It's like you're driving, like flipping through CD. People are worried about us texting and driving now. It's like, what about CD flipping and driving? Like, what? There's no laws about that. It should be that I drove, I drove whole miles without ever looking up, just trying to find a song. And one day, actually, I'm driving home from a buddy's house, 
And I get bored with the songs that I'm listening to, so I eject a CD, I reach underneath my seat, I pull out this massive CD wallet, you know, unzip it like a trapper keeper, you know, and I'm like flipping it through like the desert sea scrolls, trying to find a song that I want to listen to, and then I find it, and I'm looking down, and of course, you know, like, I'm looking up like every couple minutes for safety, you know, but I'm like focused here, and I'm like kind of doing that number as I'm driving. And I'm looking down, trying to insert the new CD that I just pulled out of my CD wallet, and then boom! Ran right smack dab into the back of this car that I did not even see! To this day, I think it was planted. But you know, I didn't have great insurance. Then, like, I had, like, just the liability. So, like, I had insurance to fix their car, but not insurance to fix my car, and so like every day, I would walk out and see the fender rolled underneath into the wheel, you know, and all of this like scratches down the side, and I, and I would have to relive, squirrel, like over and over again, and every time I looked at my car, it began to sink deep into my mind that momentary distractions will lead to lasting devastation. Momentary distractions will lead to lasting devastations. You know, our, our distractions, the things that distract us, those squirrels, those, those, those tempting things that, that pull us, what they're doing is they're, they're literally pulling us off of what we're supposed to focus on. Like a distraction means it's preventing you from giving what you're gazing at your full attention. And an undealt with distraction will lead to lasting devastation because undealt with distraction will pull your attention away from your mission. And this is what we're going to begin to see as we walk through Samson's life is that his distraction, his squirrel, his temptation is very clearly lined out for us in Judges 14.1. It says that Samson saw her and he had to have her. His mission, what he was made for, was to see deliverance happen for the people of Israel out of the Philistine captivity. That was his mission. That's where God put him on the earth. God anointed him for him, strengthened him for it, gave him everything he needed to see that mission come to pass, that promise live. But the distraction of his inability to say no to what looked good, felt good, put him in bed with the very thing he was called to destroy. Momentary distractions will lead to lasting devastation. Samson's mission was to deliver the people of Israel from captivity, not to become part of the family. Not, not for the, the, not, you know, when you get married, you're, you're merging cultures. All the married people in the house know exactly what I'm talking about. Like how your family communicated when you were growing up is your go-to how you communicate when you get married. And what ends up happening is your families were not the same and therefore you have these moments of fellowship. It's what Christians call fighting, yelling, throwing things, right? And it's because culture, don't judge me, culture when you become married, it becomes melded. And so Samson is not just now married to a Philistine. Being a Philistine 
is now who he is. And the whole thing about how God anointed him, he said this is to be a Nazarite. He's to be set apart. And he needs to live a faceted life. And and don't cut his hair and, 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 and don't drink any fermented drink and only eat things that are clean because everything about Samson is supposed to be a picture that I'm doing something different to bring freedom. And Samson basically said, I'm not going to live a faceted life. I'm going to allow my temptations to mold me into the very people group that God is trying to deliver the people of Israel from. Do not take lightly your undealt with distractions. Because they will lead to lasting devastation. The beautiful thing about the grace of God is that if we had time to read the full chapter 14, we would see that God in his grace and sovereignty is going to use Samson's absolute inability to say no to the lust of his own flesh to continue to see the dream of God advance. He's going to use it to put him in the presence of Philistine leaders so that there can begin this process of deliverance. Aren't you thankful that God is bigger than our weakness? That God will use what is distracting us at times and we're dealing with the consequences of the bad decisions that we've made that in the middle of that, he'll reach in and he'll rescue us and his mission will go forward. And Samson finds himself in bed with the very people that he's called to deliver Israel from. Isn't it interesting how the enemy will tempt us with things that are the shadow of what we're made for? That's why they're tempting. It's it's because you're, you're made to want it. But the temptation is always one degree off of the perfect representation of it. Take lust, for instance. We were created by God to, in the context of marriage, a husband and a wife, to enjoy intimacy, to enjoy sex, to to use it as a a place of connection, as as a place of of beautiful, beautiful picture of, of coming together as one. But you pervert it, you take one degree, and it will destroy you. And so lust is to be, it's, it never was supposed to be experienced on a computer screen. So, so all of a sudden, you take this thing that God created to be an absolute beautiful thing in the context of marriage, and you shift it one degree, and you display it pervertedly. Now you have people, not in Christian circles, in secular circles, with this headline, pornography kills love. Why? Because distraction leads to lasting devastation. Because that that one degree, I was talking to a friend of mine who actually knows some pilots, and he says that you'll get a feeling when you're flying that you're heading in the wrong direction. And if you do not trust your instruments, if you don't look at truth and this is what's real, and you go with what you feel, that one degree shift, even if it's just one degree, you'll end up in a different state. Not like, oh, I'm I'm not at the airport. You're like in a different 
state. And that's exactly what happened to Samson. Samson's mission was to be about seeing deliverance for the people of Israel. But he started chasing the shadow, this perverted picture of who he was supposed to be. And he never dealt with it and he never brought it into light. And then all of a sudden, his, his momentary distractions are leading to lasting devastation. I mean, he's going to find himself in a situation that he never thought that he would be in. Because he goes from marrying a Philistine woman to fast forward to Judges 16. It says this in Judges 16, verse 1. One day, Samson went to Gaza where he saw a prostitute and he went in to spend the night with her. Do you see what happens when you, you have undealt with distraction, undealt with temptation? It starts pulling you deeper down the wormhole. It, it goes from, I'm going to marry into a family that I'm not supposed to be married into, to now I'm going to satisfy this lust, this desire. I'm going to satisfy it with the prostitute. Undealt with distraction, undealt with temptation will lead to devastation. This passage goes on and says that the people in the city said, Samson is here. And so they surrounded the place and they laid in wait for him all night at the city gate. And they made no move during the night saying, at dawn we'll kill him. But Samson laid there only until the middle of the night. And then he got up and he took hold of the doors of the city gate together with the two posts and tore them loose, the bar and all. And he lifted them on his shoulders and he carried them to the top of the hill. Now I want you to see something. Remember the word that the angel spoke, the angel spoke to Samson's mom. He will begin to deliver. He will begin the deliverance of the of Israel from the hand of the Philistines. That, that was the promise. That was his mission. But when you get in bed with the very thing you're called to destroy. When you don't deal with the temptations that are in you, that are pulling you away from what God has really called you to we'll begin to use the strength and the gifting that God's given us, not for the deliverance of others, but for the deliverance of ourselves. Samson was anointed and strengthened to bring deliverance to others, but the distraction, his undealt with temptation, led him down a path of needing to rescue himself, therefore distracting him, squirrel, from his mission. Of delivering others. Undealt with distraction will lead to lasting devastation. It says this in Judges 16, verse 4. Sometime later, he fell in love with a woman named Delilah. If we're not careful, those undealt with distractions will not just lead to devastation they'll lead to total destruction. Because this is the moment where everything begins to end for Samson. He falls in love with Delilah and he begins to see Delilah. And Delilah is being used by the leaders of the Philistines to try to figure out what is it about Samson that makes him so strong and so cunning and how come we can never catch him? And when we catch him, how come we can never keep him? Can you help us figure this out? 
And because he never checked his temptation, his temptation has led him down a wormhole of setting him up for destruction. And eventually, after she just was nagging him, come on, tell me, don't you love me, tell me, don't you love me, tell me. He tells her, it's my hair. If you, if you cut my hair, I won't be strong. And so she sings him a lullaby and has him lay on her lap and then brings in a barber and gives him my haircut. which I personally think was a good move, you know, for the style of it, not for the anointing of it, but, you know, I like it. Works for me. And and they cut off his hair. Then they begin to taunt him. They're like, Samson, Samson, the Philistines are coming, they're coming. And he gets up getting ready to fight. And all of a sudden, for the first time in his life, he's not strong. He's weak. I, I want you to understand, it wasn't like there was some sort of magic potion in his hair. His hair represented his covering. And when when his disobedience led him so far away, distracted him so far from his mission, he stepped outside of the covering of God. And outside of the covering and the anointing of God, he's not a superhuman, he's just a man. And, and when, when they shaved his hair, it, 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 it was the physical picture of what happens in the spirit when we run into disobedience, when we step into the lies that is, are tempting us, when we run after the things that the devil's trying to entice us with, the shadows that we're chasing, we remove ourselves from the covering that God's given us, the anointing and the gifting that he's put in us to do the mission that he's given us. And all of the sudden, he is standing there without his covering, and without his covering, he has no protection. And the Philistines gouged out his eyes and put handcuffs on him, and they took him to this place, and they hooked him up to this big wheel that he just had to push and grind grain for the rest of his life. You, 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 have you felt that about temptation? Like on the, on the back end of the temptation you don't deal with and you actually satisfy what it's leading you into, you, you're like, man, I don't know what weighs up. I don't know what weighs down. I'm blind. I'm shackled. And I'm working hard, but I'm going nowhere. You ever felt like that? Where you're, you're pushing a wheel and it's taking everything you have, but it's doing nothing? Undealt with Distraction, undealt with temptation, will lead to total destruction. It'll lead you to a place where you don't know what's up and what way is down. You can't figure out your way up. And you're just spending all of your energy to survive when you were never created to survive. You were created to thrive in the mission that God has had for you. But we have to deal with the squirrel or the squirrel will cost us everything. This is why we need to learn the lesson that David seemed to so clearly understand in Psalms 139, verse 23. He prayed a prayer, search me, God. Know my heart, test me, know every anxious thought, see if there's any offensive way in me and lead me 
in the way everlasting. I think this is the lesson that I think we need to learn from Samson's life. We, we need to not be passive with what's tempting us. We need to be proactive to kill it. We need to say, God, show me. Show me those momentary distractions that, that eventually are going to lead to lasting devastation. Show me those, those temptations that I'm, I'm saying, that's not a big deal. That's not that big of a thing. It, it, I, at least I'm not doing this. That's going to lead me down a path of being blind, chained, and grinding grain, working hard and going nowhere. God, show me, search me, know me, know every wicked way about me. And then we have to bring it to the light, church. We, we have to, to go to one another and say, look, this is what's tempting me and this is what I'm struggling with because look, if it's everything is at stake because eventually your temptation undealt with will lead to destruction. It's a guarantee, but we also have another way. We can bring it to the light and when we bring it to the light, not only does it lose its power, it loses its hold on us. Oftentimes I think we don't bring the little things to the light because we think the little things don't matter. And I'm here to tell us today, according to the life of Samson, if we don't deal with the little things, eventually those little things are going to turn to big things. We can't run past them. We can't be passive with our temptation. We need to be proactive with what is tempting us because undealt with temptation, undealt with distraction will lead to total devastation. But I want you to see something. I want you to see that Samson's story does not end in Judges 16, verse 21, which is where his eyes get gouged out. He's blinded. He's chained. And, and, he, and he's put in this, this horrible pattern of the grind. It just represents the grind, the suffering, the toiling. His story doesn't end there because there's a, there's a verse 22. And Judges 16, verse 22, says this. But the hair on his head began to grow again. The, the hair on his head began to grow again. He was exposed and defeated. But God was starting restoration. Look, some of you need to hear, you've been exposed and defeated, but your hair's growing back. Look, for me, I wish it was in the physical, but it's in the spiritual. Your hair's growing back. Look, it doesn't matter how far down you feel like you are in the pit. It doesn't matter how many miles you've chased that shadow. It doesn't matter how much devastation that you're now living in because of the consequences of your sin. Jesus came so that our hair could grow back. He came so that the story does not end in the pit grinding away, wasting away, blinded and chained. He came so that verse 22 could happen. That the covering has been placed back over your head. And no matter how far away you run, He's going to run further to catch you. One of my favorite pictures of who God is is found when Jesus is telling the story of the prodigal son. And there's this story that Jesus tells of a son that, that Asked his dad, give me all of your inheritance now. Give me everything that you owe me right now. Basically saying, I wish you were dead. I don't care about you. I don't care about relationship with you. Just give me everything that you're going to give me when you die and let me go live the life I want to live. 
And his father does it. He gives it to him. He gives him the inheritance. And, and, he, and he, he says, look, you can go and do whatever you want with it. And it says that the son goes and squanders all of his wealth, sleeping with prostitutes, gambling, everything that you don't want to do, chasing shadows. Not dealing with temptation, running after them with everything that he has. He's left with nothing. Jesus tells the story that he's so hungry that he starts eating with the pig slop, what the pigs are eating. And he has a thought. The son goes, man, if I just go and, and just go and tell my dad, look, look I don't want to be your son anymore. Like, I don't, want, I don't want to have that place. Like, just can I work for you? Because your servants are treated better than what I'm experiencing out here. So look, I'll live in the servants' quarter. I'll stay away from the main house. Like, let me just work at your house. And so he starts making his way back to see his dad. And his dad is the picture of the father in heaven to us. And Jesus says that the father saw him in a distance and ran and met him in the road. And while they were a far way off from the house, he put a robe on him. He put a ring on his finger. Church, I want you to know that God went and he has given us a picture. He's going to cover you as you come home. He's going to give you back what you squandered. Are you seeing it? That Samson squandered away everything, but his hair began to grow back. And it says this, that he was brought out to be ridiculed by the Philistines to shame him. And he just tells the person who's leading him because he's blind, he can't see. Just take me to the pillars. Take me to the pillars. And for the first time in Samson's life, he prays a prayer. God, would you give me strength? Would you give me strength? I don't want to use the anointing and the gifting that you've given me for my own gain. I'm saying, God, this brokenness that I've walked through, the, the way I've squandered what you've given me, it's humbled me. So now I'm saying, God, would you just, would you give me strength? And it says he pushes the pillars aside and there's this little verse. It's a little verse. It says, thus he killed many more when he died than when he lived. In that sentence is God did exactly what he said he was going to do. He, 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 he started the process of deliverance in spite of Samson. But the lesson that we need to learn from the life of Samson is that we need to deal with our squirrels. We need to deal with our distractions. We need to deal with our temptations. We need to ask God to come and show us. Because look, it doesn't matter where you are, how deep down in the hole you are right now. Jesus is here reaching his hand out, meeting you in the road. He's got a blanket, a covering for you. He's saying your hair is growing back. There's a ring that's going to be put on your finger. Look, I didn't come here to teach. I came here to preach. And if you want me to finish, that means you got to let me know that you got it. That was a good word. That one was for me. Jesus came to pull us out of being blinded and shackled and grinding. And he wants to put us back into the place that he's called us. Restore the mission that he created us for. And we're going to be able to live in it when we silence the distractions that are trying to pull us from it. Because we serve a God of victory. Undealt with temptations and distractions will lead to lasting devastation. But coming to Jesus and asking him 
to clean us up and clean us out will lead to lasting victory, freedom, and salvation. Again, two things are certain in the book of Judges. Sin separates us from God and there's consequences. But equally as certain as that is that God is on a mission to restore and heal and give back everything that the enemy has stolen. In Jesus' name. Come on, give him a praise.